Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. So we are now just minutes away from the very first returns in election 2016. Election night, just a couple of minutes before 7 o'clock, when the polls officially closed in Vermont and a handful of other states. On Fox News, there's even a big digital clock counting down the seconds in huge yellow numbers. And then... And it is 7 o'clock on the East Coast, which means polls have just closed in half a dozen states. Our first projection is in Vermont, where Hillary Clinton will easily win that state's three electoral votes. It's seconds, literally just seconds after voting officially ends in Vermont, and Fox calls the presidential race for Democrat Hillary Clinton. But it wasn't just Fox. Here's CBS at almost exactly the same time that night. Both candidates are on the board with wins. We project Clinton will get Vermont's three electoral votes. And NBC. Vermont goes to Hillary Clinton, the projected winner in Vermont. And CNN. We project that Hillary Clinton is the winner in Vermont. Three electoral votes, Vermont. Hillary Clinton is the winner in Vermont. And it wasn't just TV. The Associated Press actually tweeted its call that, based on its analysis, Clinton won Vermont at six. 6.59 p.m., a minute before the polls even closed here, before the election was even technically over. How at 6.59 could they call it when I know for a fact as an election official that we can't count anything until 7 p.m.? Diane Judd is the town clerk in Holland in the Northeast Kingdom. Holland voters gave Republican Donald Trump one of his biggest margins of victory in Vermont. He won that town with 58 percent of the vote. But Judd suggests you wouldn't know there were any Trump supporters there if you were watching the national projections that night. They weren't here counting our people ever. So does that mean that the rural people don't have a voice? Because, I mean, obviously we voted for Trump. Now, it's not at all uncommon to have solidly blue or red states called early on election night, and Vermont has traditionally been one of the bluest. But more than 95,000 Vermonters did vote for Trump in a state where the presidential race was such a foregone conclusion that it seemed over before it was really over. This month on Brave Little State, we'll hear from a few of them. Welcome to Brave Little State, the podcast where you ask the questions and we work together to find the answers. I'm Angela Evansy. And I'm Alex Keefe. This month, we try to get at some pretty big questions about the results of the presidential election in Vermont. What can we learn about America from the election this year? Whoa, big question. Yeah, very big question. But first, Brave Little State is made possible with support from the VPR Journalism Fund and from Darn Tough Vermont. For nearly 40 years, knitting premium quality all-weather performance socks in the sock cap.
capital of the world, Northfield, Vermont. Darn Tough is committed to making the most comfortable, durable, best-fitting socks money can buy. We put this episode together as sort of a post-election special in collaboration with the VPR news team. Because after November 8th, VPR heard a lot of comments about the presidential race from you, our audience. Many of you were angry or hopeful or worried about the future. And some of you were unhappy with our coverage of the election. Particularly, we heard from several folks who thought public radio villainized Trump and his supporters. Nearly a third of Vermont's presidential votes were cast for Trump. But to be honest, we think we could have done more to hear from those Vermonters. On November 9th, just hours after the presidential race was called, we got an email from a guy named Dave Carpenter asking us to talk to Vermonters who voted for Trump. And several VPR reporters jumped on Dave's question. The profiles in this episode are from that series, which also aired on VPR. But first, to learn more about Dave's curiosity, I paid him a visit. I met up with Dave in the garage of the Orwell Fire Department because he had a little errand to run. He's a volunteer firefighter, and I learned pretty quickly he's also a little intense. I am currently putting back my, uh, what's called an air pack, um, because I ran the Philadelphia Half Marathon this past weekend in my firefighter gear and an air pack. 13.1 miles in his fire gear for no real reason. I have a sort of a predisposition to doing things that are challenging for no good reason other than the fact that they are challenging. Like I said, intense. Dave is the same when we start to talk about politics. To be clear, he says he voted Democratic in the general election, but really? I was a Bernie guy, and I'm, and I'm still a Bernie guy. And for, for the record, there's still a Bernie sticker on your Prius outside here. <laughs> exactly. There's still a Bernie sticker on my Prius, which is puts me into a, a, a small category of people. I, I get that. <laughs> I get that. Like a lot of Americans, Dave says he stayed up late on election night waiting for the final call. And like a lot of Americans, he was surprised. I mean, I'm a lawyer, and, you know, sometimes you know you've got a really good case, and sometimes you just don't know. And this is one of those where I, if the country had been a client, I would have said, I don't know, it looks good, but it could go either way. And that's what happened, and I'm still puzzling through that. Dave says he was even more puzzled when he looked up the results for his own town. And Orwell voted for Trump by 14 votes or something like that. It was exactly 14 votes, a slim victory for Trump after Orwell went solidly Democratic in 2012. So Dave wrote VPR a note, wanting us to look into not only how Trump won Orwell and other towns, but why, as in what motivated Vermonters who voted for Trump. For the first part of his question, we did some vote data analysis. And the short answer is a lot of Vermonters wrote in Senator Bernie Sanders or they voted third-party candidates this year, giving Trump victories in towns he may not have won otherwise, towns like Orwell. You can learn a lot more about the voting data at VPR.net. We want to try and get at the second part of Dave's question about why nearly 100,000 Vermonters voted for Trump. Because Dave says he has had a hard time squaring the inflammatory things Trump has said with the people in his community who supported him. How do you take this guy who I know, whose kid goes to school with my kid, who would pull me out of a ditch if I ended up in one, who does things for his community, how do I square that up with this guy? You know? This guy being Donald this Trump. Getting Donald Trump? I'd like, I keep getting the sense that if they met Donald Trump, they would hate him. Dave says even though he might disagree with his neighbor's politics, he doesn't think they should be castigated as a basket of deplorables. And the election has him asking some pretty big questions. 
what can we learn about America from the election this year? Uh, what are the fears that people have? And what are we going to do to make sure that nobody gets left behind? To try and get at those questions, VPR's Rebecca Sinanis paid a visit to Holland, the town in the Northeast Kingdom we heard from at the top of the episode. Here's her story. When you get to the end of I-91 in Vermont, you can veer left and cross the border into Canada, where a lot of voters disappointed with the recent election results have threatened to go. Or you can exit right down the road towards the tiny town of Holland, Vermont. While the rest of Vermont just got its first dusting, Holland had snow on the ground well before Donald Trump was elected president. You found us! Here, in their two-room town offices, was where 58% of Holland voters cast their ballots for Donald J. Trump and Mike Pence. But by the time Diane Judd, the Holland town clerk, was closing the polls at 7 p.m., Vermont had already been called for Hillary Clinton. How at 6.59 could they call it? When I know for a fact, as an election official, that we can't count anything until 7 p.m. So does that mean that the rural people don't have a voice? It certainly seemed like it. Across the country, exit polls showed stark divides in how rural communities voted in the presidential election versus more urban areas. All but one of these rural northern border towns in Vermont, Jay, voted for Donald Trump in 2016, although those same towns voted for Obama in 2012. Judd, who voted for Trump, has been the town clerk of Holland since 2008. She says she saw an uptick in voter turnout. I had a gentleman in his 70s who never voted before in his life who registered to vote and voted in the presidential election. So it was a very unusual year, and to have 77% turnout, I've been ballot clerk for probably close to 20 years, and we've never had that kind of a turnout ever that I can remember. In fact, in the northern border towns, there were 747 additional votes in the 2016 presidential election compared to 2012. James Bouvet is a Trump enthusiast living in Holland. He's lived there all his life and owns a landscaping business. Bouvet thinks that recent presidents and policies have left U.S. citizens behind. Our focus has been in a global initiative instead of one just in the United States. So when he wanted to bring it back to kind of mirror the men who built this country and made it great again, that's why I voted for him. Despite Trump's statements about Mexicans, people of Muslim faith, and women, Bouvet thinks Trump himself is not a bigot, and he supports Trump's proposed wall bordering Mexico. Bouvet's property literally touches Canada's border. From there, he says he can see the flaws in the U.S. immigration system every day. They're actually driving by the illegals that are working on farms and stopping people that reside in our town and going to work and taking their time up with them instead of actually enforcing the federal laws that are already on the books. They're getting ignored, and you can see the effects. Not everyone voted for Trump in this area, or Hillary Clinton. Bruce Wilkie, who is a furniture builder in Holland, voted for the libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson. Wilkie is one of 47 people in Holland who voted for candidates other than the two major party nominees. 31 of those votes were write-ins for Bernie Sanders. We've watched both Republican administrations and Democratic administrations just tear rural people to shreds. And it's time for something different. You know, I knew Gary Johnson wasn't going to win. And in Vermont, I knew Trump wasn't going to win. So 
basically anybody who didn't vote for Hillary in Vermont was uh, throwing their vote away. Residents of Holland don't always feel their voices are heard in Vermont politics either. But they and others are part of the larger movement that will put Donald Trump in the White House come January. That piece was reported by Rebecca Sinanis. For our next profile, we head from the Northeast Kingdom, farther south, to Clarendon. Reporter Howard Weiss-Tisman talks with a man who did cast his vote for Trump, but only reluctantly. It wasn't easy for Michael Spafford to vote for Donald Trump. Spafford is 51, and he owns Mike's Country Store in Clarendon. He identifies himself as an independent voter who leans to the right. I used to be a Republican, and I was proud to say that I was a Republican, but I can't say that anymore, so I'm independent. And I wasn't happy with any of the people running, any of them, any of the Republicans. I'm embarrassed by the party. During the 2012 presidential election, Spafford didn't even vote. He said he couldn't support Romney or Obama. He didn't think Trump would win the Republican nomination this time around and couldn't muster any enthusiasm for him. But, he says... Hillary Clinton was far worse. Spafford didn't believe Clinton's message. He didn't think she really cared about the working class. And all of the past history with the Clinton Foundation and with her Wall Street speeches and emails, it was all just impossible for him to ignore. I had no passion for Trump the entire election, and I had no passion for him when I checked his name. I had no passion for him. It was just totally an anti-Hillary vote. Trump didn't win Vermont, not by a long shot, but he did do a lot better than Mitt Romney did in 2012. Trump won 59 towns that went for Obama four years ago. And as on the national map, Clinton's support in Vermont was anchored around more densely populated areas like Burlington, Montpelier, and Brattleboro. If there were anything like an electoral college in Vermont, the results would have been much closer. In Clarendon, where Spafford lives, Trump outpaced Romney by six percentage points. I think if we got all those people together, I would have a hard time believing that any of them were passionate about Trump. I think it was a protest vote like myself. It had to have been. Spafford was turned off by most of what Trump said during the election, and he can't identify with the Tea Party or with the far right. But all those stories in the media that predicted the former Secretary of State's win, Spafford says they missed people like him who weren't ready to back somebody like Clinton. Deep in my heart, I'm conservative. I'm teaching my kids to love relatives and friends and neighbors who are pro-choice and try to understand where they're coming from. Don't hate them. I'm teaching them to not hate gay people. We have friends who are gay. Spafford wasn't the only Vermonter who went into this election feeling uneasy about Trump. The president-elect beat rival John Kasich in the Vermont Republican primary by only two points. Spafford says the presidential election is hardly a victory for the Republican Party. And I think it's a huge wake-up call for the Democratic Party, but it's a huge wake-up call for the Republican Party. Look who these guys are saddled with right now. None of them like him. So, uh... A lot of my Republican friends, I saw them all this weekend at a farmer's market, and they all said the same thing. This is the best we got. Spafford says when he sat down to watch the election results, just like most of the rest of America, he expected a Clinton landslide. 
He never thought that this divisive former reality TV star could get enough votes to win the presidency. I'm very, very disappointed in the Republican Party that that's all they could do is put him up and the Democrats, all they could do is put her up. There's probably some really good Democrats out there, far better than Hillary Clinton. And they're finding that out now. She didn't listen. She didn't listen to what people wanted. Spafford says he's ready to support the new president and give him a chance. But he's making no predictions about what the Democrats or Republicans might have really learned during the historic 2016 election. That was reporter Howard Weiss-Tisman. Next up, Melody Baudet talks to the woman who says her Christian faith helped her decide who to vote for. Here's Melody. On election day, Laura Ryder walked out of the Shelburne Town offices after casting her ballot. I voted for Donald Trump. Just because he's new, in my opinion, I think he has possibilities. To me, Hillary Clinton's already proved what she will do and what she has done. So I'm open for something new and see if he can do anything better. Like many Americans, Ryder stayed up late watching the results and was surprised that Trump won. In the morning, she had a message for her four kids. I told the kids in the morning, I'm like, but what you need to do is you go to school. You don't say anything, you don't gloat. We are a single country full of citizens of America. As a country, whether your candidate won or not, you need to root for the president. As Christians, she says her kids have felt a lot of pushback at school for their faith and their parents' politics. Ryder came to Vermont a year ago, so her husband could take a new upper management position. They're from Missouri, but most recently lived in Texas. Ryder tends to vote Republican, but she says she considers every candidate carefully. The Republican Party tends to match kind of my um, conservative values and my moral beliefs, um, Christian, and they tend to align with that. Ryder is 39 years old. She stays at home with her kids and makes and sells organic vegan soaps. She says her religion is the foundation of her family. Trump has disparaged women and made many comments that have contributed to an atmosphere of intolerance toward immigrants, Muslims, and minorities. It can be difficult to see how a Christian could support him. But Ryder says her faith guides her not to judge others. And what I would ask is that people understand we're still sinners. I mean, <laughs> I am a good sinner. But yes, uh, it's hard. And you don't throw stones. I think that's me. I think that's where Trump fell. And if Hillary had won, that's where I am too. I can't throw stones. Unless I can walk on water, I'm not going to judge other people. While she didn't vote for Barack Obama, she was excited for his message of hope and change. But she says she hasn't seen much progress in his eight years in office. And she liked Trump's message on two issues. So national security and really economy were my two biggest that I felt America needs. Get people in jobs, keep us safe. Still, Ryder doesn't always agree with Trump and dislikes some of the things he has said and done especially regarding women. I think he's made some stupid comments by far. I think he said some things that he probably shouldn't. One thing is his campaign manager. I think she's the first woman to successfully run a campaign. There's a couple of things that he is doing for women that, I, that excite me. Maternity leave. As for the way Trump has energized right-wing and white supremacist groups, Ryder feels racial tension has increased under Obama's presidency. She says those issues require work and forgiveness on the part of all Americans, not just the president. We need to forgive what he said. We need to trust that he's going to put cabinet members and we're going to put people in office that are going to look at the country 
not as white, not as black, not as Hispanic, not as Asian, not as anything, but as American citizens. And every American citizen should put in work, hard work for themselves. She knows Trump has made comments about banning Muslims, and that's where she says she has to put her faith in the rest of the government. If, let's say, Trump said, the problem with America are Christians, and they all need to go, yeah, of course, I'd be fearful. And as a Christian, of course, my most powerful device is to pray to God, because I believe God is in charge. It'll be okay. We have a whole big government. Trump's not the dictator. He has things that he can do that are amazing for everybody, and the things that might not be amazing for the whole of the country, there's other politicians in there to pull back and figure it all out. So, Ryder says she prays for Trump to grow as a person, and while she loves living in Vermont, she knows her faith and her politics are something that sets her apart from her neighbors. <laughs> I was certain after this interview I will receive a letter in the mail that says, you are now asked to leave Vermont. <laughs> um, while the people of Vermont are friendly, not as accepting to quote-unquote outsiders, it seems to me, again, we've only been here a year, that you can live free as long as you agree with our opinions. She says unless Americans come together, nothing will change. That was Melody Baudet. Our final profile this month comes to us from Taylor Dobbs. He spoke with Mary Gert, who says her life experiences helped push her to vote for Donald Trump. Gert lives on a dirt road in Moncton, where she and 359 other residents voted for Trump. Clinton won the town with almost twice as many votes, but that didn't darken Mary Gert's mood the morning after the election. She says being in the Trump camp had a different feel to it than other political movements. I've connected with a lot of people that were conservative, that are disabled, that are Sikhs, Sikhs for Trump, Blacks for Trump, you know, it, it was a big group, Hispanics for Trump, you know, Latinos for Trump. So I think we all kind of coalesced in this group that wasn't ever there before. And that kind of matches Gert's own politics. She describes herself as a ticket splitter, and her values don't fit neatly in any political party. My parents are both Democrats. It's Madison County, Illinois. I don't know if you know anything about that. It's just very, very liberal. She became a nurse in Illinois, then moved to Vermont and met her husband, Fred. When I came out here, I got hit with some economics right off the bat. I took a $5 an hour cut in pay. You know, we lived in a rental. We ended up meeting Fred, and, and we got no social services. I'm not saying we should, but we weren't that well off. And she says the way things started going for her seemed wrong. Like when she was working for the state of Vermont in 2010 and supported Peter Shumlin's successful bid for governor. But once he took office, Gert's state salary wasn't keeping up with her expenses. And it just was like, what? <laughs> you know, at a minimum, I wanted some kind of cost of living raise. So here's a person who's liberal, but we, we backslid on our union contract. Experiences like that made Gert think differently about liberals. But she's not a Republican hardliner either. She says she has plenty in common with the left. I do a lot with the social programs. I believe in Medicaid. I believe in um, taking care of people that are less fortunate. I'm disabled. I like it that I get, you know, an income from being disabled and that I, I'm free to do what I want to do. I mean, um, I don't think that that has to be contrary to conservative values. She says she doesn't like that Republicans are seen as the party that cuts social programs. And it's clear that for Gert, none of this is an abstraction. 
Her politics have been shaped by her life experiences. Things that happen to you kind of like make you step back and kind of reassess what you believe in and what's valuable to you. And what Gert values is complicated. For example, she just wasn't that outraged by the Access Hollywood video featuring Trump bragging about what amounts to sexual assault. She describes comments like Trump's as Archie Bunker comments, referring to the 1970s TV character who was offensive on social issues. The talk about women on that tape just didn't matter to her. I can't be bothered. I'm more worried about the world, the earth, you know, our economy, whether we can stay living here. I mean, it's just like a really, it's a hard road, and I've, I've been in a lot of pain. So it, I, I sort of don't care about the Archie Bunker comments. And while she acknowledges he has some personal flaws, Gert doesn't think Trump is racist. Having listened to some of the people that actually know Donald Trump, he is not a racist. So all the labels that he's getting as far as being racist, I mean, he might be a little bit of a sexist pig. But as she said, Gert's heard worse. Her feelings on refugees aren't simple either. Trump has called for, quote, a complete shutdown of Muslims entering the U.S. until our country's representatives can figure out what's going on. But to me, it wasn't about Muslims. It's about figuring out what's going on. Why do these people want to come here? And why can't we make them a safe space where they live? Like, I wouldn't want to be displaced from Vermont to go to Bulgaria or something. Oh, it's because it's for your own good. No, why don't you help me make my own space safer? Gert says she also has concerns about terrorism when it comes to refugees. And while many Vermonters don't share Gert's feelings on refugees, she does share the hopes many have for more conversation and understanding between people who disagree. Taylor Dobbs produced that segment. You can find much more of our data analysis of Vermont's presidential results at VPR.net. This episode was a collaboration between Brave Little State and the VPR News Team. Our theme music is by Ty Gibbons. And in addition to our reporters, we'd like to say a big thanks to editors John Dillon and Steve Zind. Also, a big thanks to Emily Elfin Johnson, our doyen of data. And to our sponsor, Darn Tough Vermont, knitting premium quality all-weather performance socks for all of life's active pursuits. Still made locally in Northfield, Vermont, and guaranteed for life. Visit them at darntough.com. Coming up next month on the podcast, what do we really know about koi dogs? Until then, don't forget to submit your question about Vermont at bravelittlestate.org. And remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.